1: Tonight on Huckabee, Congressman John Rose, singer-songwriter Lee Greenwood, military veteran Dr. Omar Hamada, and hitmakers Trey Corley and Sam Mullen. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury.
2: Welcome, everybody. We have the best audience out here. I am in love with these folks. We're so glad they're here. Yes. I got to tell you, people ask me almost daily if I think America will survive the divisive leftist-driven assault of traditional American virtues, of freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and free enterprise that once made our nation the envy of the world. Well, I still have hope, but I got to admit that I'm believing more and more that the only hope is an intervention of God himself in the form of a deep to the bone spiritual awakening. I mean, just this week, we have seen multiple signs of a nation that has gone astray from its ideals and principles. Reports that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, colluded with the communist Chinese military in the closing days of the Trump presidency to assure them that he would give them a heads up should President Trump prepare to start a war. And he instructed his subordinates to ignore the orders from the president unless they had been cleared by him. Now that is shocking. Well, if it's true, and I say if true, because they come from a new book by Bob Woodward, who is known to fudge the truth and sometimes just flat out make it up in order to push his book sales. But Milley has already proven to be an incompetent, politically driven general by his failed leadership in the Afghanistan withdrawal, and then his bizarre testimony to Congress when he said that the biggest threat to America is white rage, whatever that is even supposed to mean. Does he honestly believe that a minuscule number of guys waving Confederate battle flags and armed with beer, and deer rifles, even have a shot at defeating Milley's military. I mean, they got F-35s, F-22s, tanks, aircraft carriers, Black Hawk helicopters, fully automatic weapons, and even nuclear weapons. Folks, if Milley believes that his forces are that weak, he really should resign. But, If he went around the elected president and the civilian commander-in-chief to place himself above his chain of command, he shouldn't be allowed to simply resign. He ought to be court-martialed for treason. This week, we also witnessed the heartbreaking and gut-wrenching testimony of female U.S. Olympic gymnasts before the Senate who graphically testified as to the humiliating sexual assault by a pedophile, Team Dr. Larry Nasser, who violated these girls' trust as well as their bodies and did it for years. And we learned that their desperate attempts to get the U.S. Olympic officials to intervene fell on deaf ears. But that even worse, the FBI was fully informed of the criminal acts of Nasser toward these minors. They not only covered them up, but they lied to the girls and did absolutely nothing to stop the sadistic and deviant sexual behavior of the team doctor. As of now, one person at the FBI got fired, but no one, no one has yet been charged with having lied about the case or failing to report the assaults to the local authorities. Basically, just as it was with FBI agents lying about President Trump colluding with Russia and using the power of the government to try and bring him down, even after he was elected by the people to be president, the FBI and the Department of Justice seemed more concerned about protecting themselves than these young women. It is beyond disgusting knowing that if you or I break the law, We might have a swarm of FBI agents all over our home at five in the morning, breaking in our door and pointing automatic weapons at us and frog marching us to jail. But if the agents break the law, their higher ups cover for them and at most let them retire with a pension. Then they become analysts on CNN. (laughs) And this week, if that wasn't enough, Nancy Pelosi ordered that we put up another fence around the U.S. Capitol. You know, this is the same Nancy Pelosi who lives behind a wall but says walls on the southern border don't work. That Nancy Pelosi, this week, put up a wall around the nation's capital again. But you know, it kind of makes me wonder, is it to keep bad people out, like us, Or is it to keep even worse people like her in so they can't get out and hurt the country any more than they already have? So when people ask me, will our country survive? I say, only if God helps us. So I say, God help us. I bet you've noticed that whether it's at the grocery store or the gas pump, cost of just about everything is up. Inflation and bad economic policies are taking a real bite out of all of our wallets. Well, now Democrats in Washington are looking to spend another three and a half trillion. That's right, trillion dollars. And they plan to pay for that spending spree with tax hikes. John Rose is a Republican member of the United States Congress. He serves Tennessee's sixth district. He's also on the House Financial Services Committee. And he's here with us tonight to help us make sense of this mess. Please welcome to the show, Congressman John Rose. Well, you were elected in 2018. You've been there a couple of years now. Having fun yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of things that are surprise, and I'm curious. You didn't have to do this job. You've been a successful business person. You have a law degree. Uh, you've got a large family business that you've been able to superintend for a long time. You didn't need this job. You weren't looking for work. <laughs> Why did you run?
3: Well, I've, as you say, I've spent my career as a farmer and a businessman, um, and you um, reached a place in 2016 as we were watching the presidential election unfold and talking with my wife, Chelsea, and, and I was constantly worried about where the country is headed mm-hmm. and talking about that. And one day she said, you've got to do something about that. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I support candidates. I'm involved yeah. politically. Yeah. Uh, what more would you have me do? And she said, well, you should run for office. Your and wife so,
2: actually told you to go do it, doesn't she? She did.
3: That's, most times
2: <laughs> w- wives say, don't you dare, I'll kill you. So.
3: <laughs> but she encouraged me to run. And, and my real concern is that we're going to leave the country worse off to our children and grandchildren mm-hmm. than our parents left it to us. My feeling is if our generation lets that happen, we'll be the first generation in this country to do that. And I think we've got to turn that around and I think we can.
2: You know, Congressman, I really appreciate you being in Congress because you're the kind of person we need there. Not a career politician, didn't need the job. You've gone there with real convictions. You've been solid on your beliefs of uh, conservative fiscal policy, uh, not to go out and spend everybody's grandchildren's money and uh, strong pro-life, you know, you're, you're really living up to what you promised the voters. Uh, that's kind of wonderful in itself. But I'm looking at what you face as a member of Congress in Washington, and this week alone, it must have been one of the most challenging weeks you've ever seen. So tell me about what, what is happening. What can you tell us from your perspective that we ought to know?
3: Well, gosh, I I mean, some of the things you talked about in the opening, I think, uh, point to the problems that we have. Uh, Americans are losing faith and confidence in their institutions, uh, institutions like the FBI, that we need to have Mm -hmm. trust in the court system, um, our experts, our scientists. uh, And we've got we've got to restore that trust and we've got to restore trust in America not only here at home, but around the world. And the events of the last several weeks have really jilted, I think, the world's trust in this nation. And, and so we've got our work cut out for us. The, the turn back to the economic challenge, uh, the crushing debt that we are placing on our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, mortgaging their future.
2: We're, right. we're also seeing a crisis at the southern border. I know that the Biden White House said it's not a crisis, but it is. 11,000 people came across in one day, what what breaks my heart is that a lot of these are desperate people, but some of these girls are going to be trafficked as sex slaves once they get across the border. They're going to be used and abused, and that's horrible. They're little bitty kids who have nothing to choose about what's happening to them, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and yet we seem to have no idea of how we're going to handle the influx of thousands and thousands of people, some of whom are being shipped to Tennessee,
3: right here That's in your right. district. So even though we're 2,000 miles away from that southern border, the impact of this is going to touch uh, people right here in my district, people right here in Tennessee, and uh, burden local governments, burden state government. Uh, these folks are going to be competing for scarce resources. Uh, and, and so we, we feel for them. Americans are giving people we accept more legal immigrants than any country in the world. Uh, but the Biden administration, unfortunately, has telegraphed this signal all around the world to come to our southern border. And basically, it's an open border at this point. Folks are just flooding into our countries, not just from Mexico, not just from the Northern Triangle, from all over the world. And with them is coming illegal contraband drugs that are destroying our, uh, the lives of people right here in my district and uh, We've got to put a stop to this. And unfortunately, if we could just roll the clock back to December, uh, President Trump's policies had brought that to uh, a trickle compared to what's happening now. Just last month, almost 210, 211,000 people crossed the southern border illegally. Before this year's out, two million will cross our southern border illegally.
2: Two million? Yes, That is staggering. We've never had numbers like that. Before I let you go, today uh, or this week, something really bizarre happened. France recalled its ambassador from the US. Never in our history have we had a a time when a strong ally like France is so mad at us that they pull their ambassador. I mean, we were told that Joe Biden would be brilliant when it comes to dealing with foreign (laughs) policy. Somewhere I think there's a disconnect.
3: Absolutely. And it's very disturbing. And just today, the crises that we've seen this administration um, step into really uh, of their own making, a failure to communicate, kind of, uh, you know, basic blocking and tackling kind of moves for a seasoned uh, president. Uh, And so that's not what we got. That's what we were sold, but that's not what we've received. And we've seen that with the botched retreat or withdrawal from Mm. Afghanistan and uh, just the billions of dollars in military hardware that we've left behind and now disappointing our first, our first ally in the world uh, to such an extent that that they would withdraw their ambassador is really chilling.
2: It's it's frightening. I I hope you will come back often because you are our congressman here in uh, our theater area of Hendersonville. You're welcome anytime. We'd love to have you come regularly and be with us. It's a real honor and joy to have you here.
3: Well, I'd like that. And I want to leave on a positive note if I can, Governor. Absolutely. So as I left to come here today, my wife, Chelsea, and my two sons were out taking care of a young calf that we had kind of given up for not going to make it. And uh, so she reported to me that that calf was up on its feet and uh, had made it to its mom. And so, uh, you know, this is one of the lessons that I learned on the farm that I'm trying to instill in my sons of the hope and the promise of the future. And if we'll just roll up our sleeves and uh, stick to our business and focus on the things that are important, I think there's a bright future ahead for this country.
2: Congressman, I can't think of anything wiser than if we would send more farmers to Washington and send more congressmen who've been there for 40 years, send them to the farm. I like that idea. If you'd like to keep up with Congressman John Rose, I hope you'll follow him at Rep John Rose on Twitter. And you can learn more about the Congressman and the work that he's doing for the 6th District at johnrose.house.gov. Now, if you will turn your attention to our tireless announcer, Keith Bilbury, you might even learn what else we have coming up right after this.
1: Well, coming up, music icon Lee Greenwood and later vaccination politics with Dr. Omar Hamada.
0: Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Go to mikehuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at Huckabee on Twitter. And
2: welcome back. Now, Lee Greenwood is a country music superstar. Just seven number one hits, including one of the most beloved songs of the entire 20th century, the patriotic anthem, God Bless the USA. His latest project, give him a hand for it. Never been a song like that before. His latest project is pretty special. It's the God Bless the USA Bible which is a beautiful limited edition book that combines the Bible with America's divinely inspired founding documents. It is an honor to welcome back everybody's favorite. Would you please put your hands together for Lee Greenwood. You know, my first thought is to say, Lee Greenwood, you've written some great songs. Now you're trying to write the Bible. Huh? What are you doing here? <laughs> you know, the odd thing, Governor, is,
4: is that this is, a, I think, the only first time I've ever come on a show, a TV show, and not
2: sang. I think it's ridiculous that you would come on a show and not do music, but you know what? Oh, but I have an important message. So You, you know. have a great message. Thank you. Let's talk about this Bible. I mean, that's, sure. that's pretty cool, because it combines documents of the country, Word of God, where did the idea come from? Well, first of all, I, I think it's important that everybody has a Bible.
4: I hope you do. And if, you know, Good point. It. We've got three, actually. My wife has her own Bible. I have mine uh, that sits by my bedside. And then we have the family Bible, which mm. has you know, inscribed in the history of the family and so forth. And that. Now, I think that's important to keep. This particular Bible, however, is uh, an inspiration of my, my team. And that is we wanted to make sure that people who have this Bible learn about how this country got started. Ah. And um, there are documents in the back of this Bible which include the Constitution, a readable Constitution. It, it, I don't know how many people ever got a chance to do that. Read it. The Bill of Rights, um, the uh, Declaration of Independence, because we got to know how we got started. Hmm. And then importantly for me is the Pledge of Allegiance, which has the words under God in it. Yes. And so it's called the USA God Bless USA Bible. <laughs>
2: I wonder if you could sign a copy and we'll send it to uh, AOC. She might really uh, benefit from I, somebody, learning about the founding of our country.
4: Somebody asked me the other day if I'd signed a Bible. I said, I think you need to have Jesus sign the Bible. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> uh, I'm not the author, okay? Uh, but there are lyrics. There's a sheet of lyrics in there that they asked me to put into the front page. It's the only place my, that my name does appear, and that is the chorus of God Bless the USA and that's all.
2: There is something coming up next month. I am, I mean, totally amped about it. It's one of the biggest things I've ever seen happen. In Huntsville, Alabama, you are putting together a show to honor veterans. It's like everyone who is somebody in the music business is going to be on this bill. I mean, several dozen acts. It's going to be amazing.
4: First of all, I have to look back at how long I've been in Nashville. Yeah, not in the business. I started playing when I was twelve, and not till twenty twenty was I ever told I couldn't work, and that's <laughs> and that's what they said, you know. So we had about six or seven shows. Of course, we're working again now, but I I had to look back. I came to Nashville in nineteen seventy nine, so 80, 1980, we had our first hits. Eighty two or three uh, 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 mail books of the year. Eighty four, eighty five, more awards and stuff like that. But you look ahead forty years, mm. a little more than forty years, starting with which would have been twenty twenty, and I had. 40 years of hits. So this show at the Von Braun Center is going to be featuring 40 different artists all coming up. This is more than the CMA Yeah, They're going to sing my songs that I had hits with over the years. And to make it even more special, we've set aside a block of tickets for veterans to come to the shows. And what we've asked if your listeners and all the listeners who would like to come to the show or not... Sponsor a vet, adopt a vet, and pay $100 to have them sit in a seat with their caregiver, if necessary, and watch this monstrous television production just one night only.
2: It is going to be a star stud of the evening. Now, it's my understanding that people can still get tickets to the show. You have a few available. There's a few left. Okay. So there's not many. They better go to Ticketmaster, like, right now. Yes. When they see who's on there, if they go to your website and they see who's on the show... It's going to break their heart if they're all sold out.
4: Uh, well, it is because you, you'll only, you not get a chance to see this for several years. Well, I said we are filming this. However, these veterans really deserve it. So uh, yeah. go to my website, LeeGrimba.com, and uh, sponsor. If you know a vet, yeah. you'd like to send him, put his name in. Fill out the form, put his name in, and he'll be surprised when he receives the tickets.
2: Phenomenal musician, songwriter, singer, artist, and we're so honored. Anytime you can come, excited about the Bible and Thank about you. the concert. I want to remind our folks, if you want more information on the God Bless the USA Bible, maybe to pre-order and get a copy in time for Christmas. What a great gift idea for someone you really love. Here's what you do. Visit godblesstheusabible.com. When you go to the website, you'll find out how to get the Bible. And you can also adopt a vet for the upcoming All-Star Salute to Lee Greenwood event going to leegreenwood.com. Keith Bilbury is going to bless us now. He's going to tell us all the things we have to look forward to later on in the show.
1: Well, next, comedian Hoss Ridgeway. Plus, Mike sits down with Grammy Award producer, Huckabee music director, Ray Corley. Don't go away.
2: Welcome back, and boy, what a great way to come back in with the sounds of Trey Corley and the Music City Orchestra playing the old Spiral Staircase hit, More Today Than Yesterday. Outstanding, guys. Give them a big hand. You're going to hear more from them later, and it will blow your mind, knock your socks off, and bless you all at the same time. All of those things are going to happen right here tonight. Well, I don't know about you, but I got to tell you, I got a hankering for some down home cooking and time away from big cities. And from what I hear, Keith has found a great little spot with a
1: whole lot of character for this week's Our Kind of Town. Nestled in the scenic foothills of the Ozark mountains of Missouri, there's a tiny oasis called the Village of Caledonia. With a population of 130 residents, Caledonia is the smallest incorporated village in the state. But don't let that fool you because in their case, big things do come in small packages. Founded in 1819, Caledonia is chock full of antique charm. From the National Historic District with 28 homes and businesses, to their most famous resident, U.S. Congressman Van Diver, whose 1899 speech on the House floor I'm from Missouri, show me. Inspired the state's motto, show me state. He kinda looks like Mark Twain if you ask me. Highly visited parks like the appropriately named Elephant Rock State Park and gorgeous scenic rivers perfect for kayaking have made Caledonia a tourist hotspot. Walk the sidewalks in town and visit wondrous antique shops, boutiques and gift stores. Now, while in Caledonia, stay at the award-winning Old Caledonia Bed and Breakfast, complete with all the amenities, including scrumptious breakfast and delicious dinners. Caledonia is known for its fun festivals and events. One of the largest festivals in the region is the Caledonia Pumpkin Festival during the second weekend in October. Go pumpkin crazy with pumpkin pie contest Pumpkin games, hay rides, and a road-proped pumpkin patch corn maze you may never figure out. There's so much more. No trip to Caledonia is complete without a vision to the Old Village Mercantile. It's an authentic 1909 general store, and it has the coolest candy and ice cream shop you'll ever see. A definite crowd-pleaser. And ho, 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 you gotta see it around Christmas where they all really go out. It's like stepping back in time. Caledonia is a wonderful mix of all the good stuff wrapped up in a nice package for all to enjoy. Uh, I'm still thinking about the ice cream, y'all. And that's why the village of Caledonia, Missouri, is our kind of town. That looks like a fun place to go,
2: especially in October. I don't know if you saw that kid who was cramming the pumpkin pie in his face. I swear he looked just like Trey Corley. (laughs) I think Trey was there doing that.
5: I'm from the Show Me State. I believe
2: you are. I think that was you. Well, our thanks to the village of Caledonia, Missouri, for letting us explore their wonderful town. I hope that you'll go and check out their website, caledoniamo.org. Plan your visit. I mean, that looks like a great and fun place to go. I hope you'll enjoy your time there. Hey, tonight's comedian is also a church minister. Now imagine a pastor telling jokes. It's crazy, right? Hey, but this guy can actually do it. His unique mix of clean comedy, music, and impressions is winning fans all across America. He is making his national TV debut tonight. And I want you to give a warm welcome to one of our favorites, the very funny, Hoss Ridgeway.
6: I have no idea what I was just doing there, but I saw it on the NFL draft. I thought it'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, y'all were like, there's a lineman right there. I know. It's good to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, with all this going on in this world, you guys remember before the pandemic when you'd see somebody with the mask on and you'd be like, oh, what's wrong with him? Then during the pandemic, you see somebody without their mask and you'd be like, Crazy, crazy. I I love parent, my parents. I love, you know, being a a dad. You know, but parents, I think, were given to us to embarrass us. Like, my mom would introduce me like this. She would say, this is my son, and he's husky. I was like, Mom. She's like, you're husky. It's okay. Now, to be fair, the only place we could buy my jeans was Sears. Right? Over in one little section. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They, they it, Giant letters right across it, it said, husky, you know? <laughs> Which is a, a Greek word that means uh, pick me last. That's what it means. <laughs> and they did. All right. <laughs> so uh, they weren't like cool kid jeans, like uh, Jordash or Bugle Boy. They were like four pair of jeans melted together. <laughs> and they made a sound when you walk, you know? It's like this. It'd be like... Sh- Terrible for hide-and-go-seek, you know? Everybody's like, shh, listen for Hoss. He has husky jeans on. I think you can hear him sweat. <laughs> I sweat a lot. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, my mom had sayings, too. And uh, maybe you can finish this one. She would say, you're getting on my last... Nerve. That's right, nerve. I was like, why didn't you tell me three nerves ago? I'd have slowed down, Mom. Or she'd say this one, uh, chase your dreams. And I was like, I can't. I've got asthma. (laughs) And husky jeans. (laughs) That's a bad combination, Mom. I can't do it. My favorite, she'd send me to the room. She'd be like, go to your room until you learn how to act. I come out a few minutes later. Hark, what light through yonder window breaks. (laughs) Is the east in Juliet is the sun. Arise, Beth. Shakespeare, thank you. Thank you. Or my, my real favorite is when she would say, you can't go swim until 30 minutes after you eat. <laughs> Y'all, I've never learned to swim. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, uh-uh. My dad had sayings too, but all of his rhymed. Like the first day of school, he'd say, if you don't get whooped trying to whoop the guy that whooped your brother, you're going to get whooped when you get home. It's like, thanks, Dr. Seuss. All I know in that rhyme is at some point today, I'm getting whooped, you know? <laughs> oh, he'd also say this one, like, you probably finished this one. Go to your room, I'll be there in a... Somebody said jiffy, I think. <laughs> My dad didn't say jiffy. Wouldn't that be something? You go to your room, I'll be there in a jiffy. <laughs> I'd be like, Dad, that's great. Let's... I'll get the Scrabble game out. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> oh. Or this one, how about... Uh, You better stop crying, or I'll give you away. Oh, I guess giving you away is something to cry about, I guess. uh, That's my dad. Oh, man. This one was the worst one. He'd say, if I don't know who did it, you're all going to get it. Y'all, I was the slow one. I got it first. Like, it it was crazy. Across the room, my dad became like Mr. Fantastic. His arm would go... (laughs) And I looked down and I'm like, Run for your lives! I'm calling the tractor beam! And in one move, my dad could pull me across the room, turn me around, bend me over, pull out his belt. It would magically fold in half right before he split me in two. <laughs> and you heard every belt loop on the way out. It's like, <sharp inhale> He was husky too. Uh, and my mom would spank us too I mean y'all remember getting a spanking from your mom it wasn't as bad but somehow I don't I don't understand this guys somehow my mom could conjure up my dad's belt out of thin air like she'd get angry she'd just reach behind her like this and you're like where did that come from I can only imagine my dad's at the church office and he looks down he's like, where'd my belt go? He's probably saying something like, well, I guess one of them did it. I hope they all get it. Guys, that's my time. Good to be here today.
2: I appreciate so that. glad to have you here. It's good to be here. Hey, I want you to tell everybody, you've got a children's book you do. How do you, is that Seba? Seba, Seba and the worm. That's
6: right. It's a it's a bird that trades its feathers to a snake for a worm every day. Yeah. Until it runs out of feathers and it gets saved by a little girl on a bike. And it's to teach kids to not give themselves away to people who really don't care about them.
2: Well, I think it's a great yeah. story for kids. Absolutely. One that uh, I think my grandkids will like and... My goodness, we're glad to have you here. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. Didn't you like Thank Hoss? You. Yeah. Thank you. And you can find Hoss Ridgway's clean comedy and his book *Seba the Worm* at hossridgeway.com. Check him out on social media as well. Hey, Keith's got the details on what's coming up. So let's check Keith out right now.
1: Next, Common Sense Vaccine Updates with Dr. Omar Hamada. Then, record producer and music director Trey Corley talks with Mike on Huckabee.
2: I am so grateful for the ever present comfort of the Lord. And I'm thankful for the many ways that he brings us that comfort. One of those ways is through Samaritan's Purse because whether it's tornadoes, fire, high waters, Samaritan's Purse is always on the front lines to extend God's comfort to those in need. And through your generosity and through your prayers, they continue to do just that. Lately, there have been so many natural disasters that Samaritan's Purse has had to respond to. And by the way, I'm not even talking about the man-made ones in Washington, D.C., you know, (laughs) the real disasters that we're facing. I hope you'll consider calling Samaritan's Purse. Go to their website, and there you can extend God's comfort to needy people all over the world. Thank you, and God bless you for doing that. My next guest has a very unique perspective as a medical doctor and a former Special Forces flight surgeon. As vaccine mandates continue to go into effect throughout the country and the private sector, now men and women in uniform are going to have to get the shots as well. Not everyone's real happy about it. I want you to welcome to the show Dr. and former Army Lieutenant Colonel Omar Amada. Dr. Amada, good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. You've got a pretty unique perspective as both a medical doctor, but also somebody who was a flight surgeon with special forces. You were in Afghanistan. As you watched our exit, what was your thoughts from having been there? And were you able to say, job well done? Not at all, sir. My first feeling really was rage
7: and anger and disbelief that we would actually do something like that. Uh, that we would, uh, that first that our military leadership would actually bless off something like that, that kind of strategy. Hmm. And then that this administration would do something so reckless.
2: Today, we found out that uh, it wasn't an ISIS-K car that was destroyed by the drone, August the 29th. It was a group of civilians, including seven children. It, it really disappointed me that when the military announced that this uh, horrific thing had happened and a huge mistake killing children and totally innocent people. They didn't say we're sorry. They didn't say we fail. They said the mission was not uh, as successful as we wanted it to be. I'm thinking it was much worse than that.
7: It definitely was. And you know, Governor, it really goes to show their regard for life, especially for the lives of children. And we see that with their whole Uh, policy toward and and feeling towards abortion and the lives of the unborn. Um, I have friends who were on the ground uh, right there, and and we knew. I mean, we knew right after the hit that it wasn't uh, the target that they Mm -hmm. actually were saying it was. And I think that's exactly the reason that they refused to name the target afterwards. If you remember, during press conferences, they wouldn't even tell you
2: who—they wouldn't tell us who was killed. Uh, You're an OBGYN specialist. That's your specialty, so you— deliver babies, and deal with pregnant women. Uh, Big controversy, should pregnant women get the COVID vaccine? And what is your advice to your patients? And and are there risks that they should be worried about?
7: This has been so politicized, and it's really a difficult conversation. Um, The American College of OBGYN, of course, recommends it, as do most other medical organizations. But there's a lot of fear in the general population, justifiably so. Uh, Today, actually, the FDA panel, I think it was a vast majority, two to 16 or something like that, uh, said that we should not give boosters to people older than 16 uh, and younger than 65 because of serious safety and efficacy concerns. Well, if there are serious safety and efficacy concerns to the general population, I think those are multiplied when it comes to pregnant women. So we have to weigh the risks of coronavirus versus the risks
2: of vaccination that we just don't know when it comes to the unborn. Generally, I'm assuming that most people probably are okay to take the vaccine, and and it's maybe going to prevent them from having a severe case or having to go to the hospital, being on a ventilator, or or dying. I mean, those numbers are there. But what are the parameters that you would recommend for people? You know, it's changed.
7: Um, early on, I was very cautious because we, we just don't know. We don't have the data. Yeah. Um, we're being told that we need to say it's completely safe and completely um, you know, efficient, but we just don't really know completely. So with the Delta variant, I've become a lot more aggressive in terms of recommending it. Before I was very cautious, but now as we've seen how aggressive the Delta variant is, Um, the risks are great. So I think the the risks of the vaccine are much less.
2: You know, no one wants to see COVID continue. My goodness, we're sick of it. We want to get back to life uh, with normality. And I think for many of us, you know, taking the vaccine helps us to get there quicker. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, it's not that they have trouble with a vaccine. They have trouble with the government saying, you will take it or else. And that doesn't even allow for the people who have had COVID who have natural antibodies. Exactly. Aren't they better protected than people like me that have had a vaccine but Certainly. never got COVID? Certainly. You know, 25, the Israeli
7: studies and other studies show that it's up to 25%, uh, 25 times greater immunity with natural immunity than it is with immunized. Plus, what we're seeing is they are forcing drugs like remdesivir that has significant safety concerns and maybe isn't even worthwhile to use at all against drugs that we know work. Including hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, that's very controversial now.
2: Yeah, and it's it's almost sad that they've talked about ivermectin being a horse medicine. There's certainly a version of it, but it was it won a Nobel Prize for human (laughs) beings in 1995. (laughs) So this nonsense that it's only for horses, my goodness, horses also get penicillin, but we don't quit giving it to people. Exactly, and exactly, and it's true. It's true. Well. We'd love to have you come on a regular basis. i we're to. so grateful to have you here. Thank so you. many talents people don't know. He sings, he preaches, he is a medical doctor and a Lieutenant Colonel in the special forces. I'm not sure what he can't do, I don't, don't, I don't play golf. All to have I don't either. <laughs> we have that in common. Every thank, time
7: that mouth, the, you know, the alligator's mouth opens, I just can't get it in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Omar Hamada, thank you so much. By the way, uh, if you'd like to know more about Dr. Hamada, you can go to find him on Twitter at Omar Hamada. You can also keep following along with the show. All you got to do is just listen to Keith. He's right here.
1: Well, up next, Grammy Award winner Trey Corley and platinum-selling songwriter Sam Mullins talk with Mike on Huckabee. (laughs) Next week on Huckabee, the one and only Meatloaf performs.
2: And welcome back. I'm pretty excited, Keith. Meatloaf is going to be with us next week. How about that? You know, he is a cool guy, and we're going to have so much fun. A lot of people, they heard Meatloaf is going to be here. They thought Brenda Gant's going to come back and cook some of it. So, (laughs) Are you you going to get to play bass with me? Absolutely. You think I'm going to bring him in here and not play? Absolutely I am. It's going to be fun. Hey, speaking of fun. Trey Corley, we make fun of him a lot, but you may not know this. He is a Grammy award-winning record producer, songwriter, and musician. He's helped create the music for people like Donnie McClurkin, Toby Mac, Carmen, Jason Crab, and Michael W. Smith. He uses his world-class talents to bring unity to a divided world. And to prove it, Trey and co-writer Sam Mullins have written a new song, the groove will set you free. Would you welcome platinum selling songwriter, Sam Mullins, and our very own music director, Trey Corley. We've been doing this show for four years. Trey finally got a walk-on. I got a walk-on. That's pretty big deal. And they're
5: playing the music I wrote. That's
2: I know. Pretty cool. That is really awesome, isn't That's it? Weird. I've always wanted to just walk out to a band playing. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go back and do it again, Joe? Yes. Oh, okay. If we
5: could do it a few more times.
2: You've been be playing since you were a little bitty kid, yes, right? Yes, sir.
5: When did you I, start? I started playing the drums. My brother taught. My brothers both uh, taught me to play drums. I started playing at four. I was playing four. drums at four. We had a family group. Yeah. We traveled and sang. Um, my mother and father. We uh, started to had a Southern gospel groups where uh-huh. we started. All this came from Southern gospel. It's pretty crazy, and we traveled, sang, and. Had a blast at music and just grew up in music my whole life.
2: And and then you gravitated the word keyboard and and songwriting. and Well, how did that all move from playing the drums as a four-year-old to producing records for Grammy-winning people?
5: Uh, I truly was playing in church. We all, I think, most of us where we met was church. Yes. Um, So we literally, you're playing in music, and there's so many styles of music in church. And... uh, it really had so many influence. My brother started a studio. I was young and I was like, I gotta work in the studio. So I watched my brothers in the studio. Uh, My brother wrote jingles and wrote all kinds of music and Hmm. stuff. And so I wanted to do, you know, what both my brothers were doing. And I think they poured a lot of stuff into me. My dad played, my mom played bass. My mom was the bass player in the group. All
2: right, Sam, you and your wife have 10 kids. We do
5: she won't leave me alone. Uh,
2: <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> I love it. Sorry babe. She's <laughs> here tonight so
5: um. she may not be now. Sure, it's She's left. has gone. She's walking out. Um, yeah. We we are blended family. We both had five children. Yeah. And uh and you know she kept me in the friend zone forever. And what you know <laughs> You're not going to marry somebody that has five kids if you have five. <laughs>
2: that's crazy. <laughs> so no, no. Do no. any of them have musical interests?
5: Are or- yes, oh, definitely. Uh, uh, my daughter Aubrey, big time, hmm. uh, plays all over the U.S. You know, she's Great. really into it, and, and that's neat to see. You know, as a dad, you want to say, "Well, if you have daughters, and we have seven, I live in an ocean of estrogen." <laughs>
2: Whoa! <laughs> I know. I you know. have no chance, man. But no. you
5: tell your daughters, you know, I'd like for him to know the Lord. No musicians, none. (laughs) But yes, it's a a wonderful thing.
2: There is a song you guys are going to perform tonight, and it is so powerful. I want you to talk, Trey, about the song, The Groove Will Set You Free, because music has traditionally brought people together rather than split them apart. So what's the inspiration of this?
5: song? That was totally our idea. Um, The verses talk about, uh, which you'll get to here in a minute, but some of the things that it talks about is how our world lives in a world where Uh, Everyone's a winner, even if they lose. Mm. I mean, everybody gets a trophy now. Yeah. We're not teaching our kids that you gotta um, fight to win. I think when we sat down, we were talking about that. It's like, man, you're, you're, we're, and music brings so much unity together that hopefully we can write something that encourages people to look at their inwardly. Um, and I think we're, we're both, we met at church. So I think I can say we met at church and we're in a lot of Christian music that we do. Most of the stuff work that I've done is in Christian music. So in Ecclesiastes 7 and 14, yes, I'm going to give you scripture. And I'll get this later. <laughs> For you, man. But it says, on a good day, give thanks. Yeah. On a bad day, evaluate yourself. Mm. Truly, I think our world is not evaluating themselves. They're not mm. looking inwardly. Everybody's like, you're the one who caused this. You're the one who caused this. You're the one who caused this. And music, I believe with the right music and with the right lyrics and words, hopefully it makes us to look inwardly. How do we bring unity? And I think that can happen. Mm. Uh, Hopefully through this song, just talking about men, you know, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, Asian, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. God came for everybody. And uh, we hope we can show that through the
2: song. I think the song beautifully does that. And I'm I'm very excited that our audience is here in this theater and at home are gonna be able to hear it. Trey and Sam, thank you for allowing our audience just to get to know you like I do. By the way, you can follow Trey Corley and all his music projects at treycorley.com. Now, after the break, Trey, Sam, the band, and me, we're all gonna perform a song that you're gonna love. Get ready for it. It's called The Groove Will Set You Free. Do not go away. We'll be right back.
1: The show, go to Huckabee.tv for an online exclusive performance of John Five by Trey Corley. Now, performing the world premiere of The Groove Will Set You Free is Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on Bass featuring the vocals of Angela Prim and Sam Mullins. Take it away!